by face off, I do mean that she quickly runs into an open field and is pulled into hiding by one of the few surviving men. The guy that was going to go take a dump. Yeah. <laughs> it, it bought him some time. You know, it's important to <laughs> pay attention to when your bowel movements are happening because you never know when a predator could very well be on the hunt. To, to quote Jurassic Park, you got to go when you got to go. <laughs> It's continuing a grand tradition of uh, yeah. monster movies, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and folks needed to take it up. Hello, and welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Ricciardi, and I am joined today by Elias Gold of Native Media Theory. Elias, welcome to the show. Hello, yeah, my name is Elias, and uh, yeah, I run the YouTube channel Native Media Theory. I'm extremely excited to have you on today. You were actually, uh, your channel was recommended to me by a listener, and uh, I'm absolutely thrilled that I was able to bring you on. So hopefully we can share the love of movies together and uh, just make a good show but uh i do have of to course. ask you <laughs> at the top here a question that i ask everyone at the start of the episode uh why did we watch prey why did we watch prey well one because i have a whole video about this before i even watched it when i reacted to the trailer but i felt like it was a pretty important film surprisingly because it's like a genre mm -hmm. ip film uh, but in the grand scope of Native American and indigenous representation, this film was important because, one, it was a major franchise that, in my personal opinion, was on its like last leg. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the film before that, like in 2017, just wasn't that good. Uh, but so it, it already has a major fan base, a major audience. It's guaranteed to already just bring in a whole bunch of people to watch. Mm -hmm. But second is that it has a indigenous protagonist and in, in that protagonist living in their world without, without a lot of signs for you to be like, Hey, look like this is a native character, blah, blah, blah. It's just, these characters are just allowed to be. And also with the casting is that the casting is about as authentic as you could get with a film like this uh, with Amber Midthunder mm -hmm. and Dakota Beavers and everyone, all the other native people involved, Stormy Kip and all these guys like they, you know, the, the there was a huge strive for authenticity with like, I think that it helped with the specificity too, because the tribe was specifically Comanche Mm -hmm. And what helped is that the, the one of the main producers is Comanche. So she had so much firsthand knowledge and explanations and insights on everywhere from the language all the way to the costuming, all the way to like the combating and all that stuff. And so when it first when I first saw the trailer, I was like, this is important because it's the first major, huge, accessible franchise with an indigenous protagonist and everything. So that's why I chose prey <laughs> and two <laughs> because reason, i, I yeah. am a huge fanboy of the franchise to begin with so watched the first predator movie with arnold schwarzenegger when i was a kid when i wasn't supposed to but you know i think everyone kind of did something like that so of course <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's that's why we watched prey that's awesome. I mean, I, I have never seen any other Predator movies. I was always an alien kid. That was my probably inappropriately mm -hmm. violent movie as a child that, <laughs> that I was watching. Uh, but I, I was really excited to to jump into this as well, because I'd heard similar stories around the production uh, with 
uh, you know, the indigenous team behind it and particularly Amber Midthunder having a stellar performance in it. So this was mm-hmm. a treat for me as well. Uh, and I'm excited to jump into it and hear what you have to say about it. I would tell listeners, keep in mind, I don't, if, if something is a reference to a, a Predator movie, I hope that you can also help me on that hand because uh, oh, yeah, I was taking things as they were happening to me on screen. <laughs> Uh, but we, this whole film takes place in uh, 1719 on the Northern Great Plains. Uh, we are introduced to Naru, who is speaking Comanche, tells us uh, of a monster that had visited them a long time ago. And we see sprawling vistas, deer, the sounds of nature pick up as we go to Naru sleeping. Uh, and she's woken by a foot to the shoulder. Uh, and <laughs> we meet her dog sorry as well as she gets up to join the rest of the tribes people as they get ready for their day um she's collecting flowers roots uh foraging and as her day goes on practices throwing her axe into a tree uh, and as she does notices some deer tracks and follows them to creep up on a deer readying her axe to hunt uh but a sudden whooping sound, this roar picks up, uh, startling the deer, and she sets off after it as it runs away along with her dog and uh, continues to try and catch it. Uh, but as they herd this deer, um, the dog Sari gets its tail stuck in a metal trap, uh, and as Naru helps her out and puts some medicinal herbs on it uh, before examining the trap, Uh, Another whoosh draws her attention and she rushes over to a cliff where she sees in the sky a huge kind of like almost wavering shape rumble through the clouds. It's this real, I love this effect of like the almost wispy, smoky clouds going behind it. uh, Well, and and into her worldview, that's a thunderbird. Yeah. Like she even mentions it later. She says, I saw a thunderbird in the sky. It's a sign. Yeah, I really like the way they handle because uh, the predator is this alien creature. Um, it's not a figure of you know indigenous mythology, but the way mm-hmm. that they're able to relate what people are seeing in the film and how they would understand something to actual pieces of mythology or actual lived experiences in a way that feels. It, it never feels like it's jumping the gun so much. It's not like trying too hard to fit things into the worldview. It very much is just a person who is existing in their life, making sense of what they're seeing um, and accepting the differences and the similarities as they come. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jane Myers mentioned that like in the, I mean, you, he- you hear even more if you watch it in the Comanche dub on Hulu. Mm-hmm. They refer to it as the Muppets and Muppets is a Comanche cryptid basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's a monster. Uh, that has beady eyes and is really big and can come and get you. And so it was like the perfect, I guess, cultural worldview tool to use for them to talk about it. Um, But if you listen to the Comanche dub, she says Muppets over and over. Uh, So she's using that, that kind of myth, the mythological Comanche cryptid zoology type of thing to describe this creature. Yeah. It's awesome. This is also, I think one of the, it might be the first film to get a full Comanche dub uh, done for it, at least officially. Yeah, um, on, on its original release, it's the first film like this to kind of have a dub also done by its original cast and crew, or by the original cast. So 
Uh, there's some debate whether or not if you want to include Apocalypto in there or not, but because mm. that's in, I believe that's in Natwal or in, I believe it's in, or Mayan, ancient Mayan, but uh, I have a whole issue with that film, but we can talk about that another day. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you back on for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, returning to Prey, uh, Naru is later telling her brother uh, Tabe, played by Dakota Beavers, uh, about um, their their. Uh, they got their sights on a bird. They're hunting bow and arrow. Uh, and he's telling her about his first hunt with uh, their father. Uh, and as he's telling the story about going out together, uh, he hears her snoring as she has fallen asleep uh, with the bow drawn. Um, and he, he rouses her and kind of you know, brotherly gives her a little shit about it, mm-hmm. maybe, uh, and shoots the bird they've been hunting. And she tells him about the Thunderbird that she saw and says that she's ready to hunt as well. Um, and he kind of chides her in this scene for wanting to hunt something that's hunting her uh, as she yeah, expresses that's, that's the whole. This. Yeah, that's the whole idea yeah. behind the Comanche Kantamuya. It's like this, the first hunt, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it depends. I mean, I, uh, I looked it up and it's like, it's either your first hunt or you're hunting something, a prey animal in particular. Mm. Um, so that's actually the, the, the Comanche title of the film is Katamuya. It's the hunt, you know? So, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And that's going to be a very prominent theme throughout, uh, this idea of not only the first hunt, but also hunting something that's hunting you, um, Mm -hmm. prey, prey and predator type of thing. Exactly. Which very appropriate for the (laughs) franchise that it's placed (laughs) into and the title of the movie. Back at the village, Naru uh, brings the fish she and Tabe got home, and uh, she and her mother set to their various cooking tasks, uh, Naru butchering the fish and giving the tail to Sari. This dog is a very prominent character, and as someone who's seen a lot of movies and is constantly worried if the dog is going to die, (laughs) I was a little stressed out throughout this film, but don't worry. (laughs) We'll see uh, just how how well Sari can can do, uh, as her mother comments, that's a very well-trained dog. Her mother is making medicine for uh, someone's injured knee, and we learn that Naru has learned a lot of um, medicine from her mother uh, in various practices and is even skilled enough to notice that her mother has not included a specific ingredient yet, um, this orange flower, uh, and she is sent out to uh, gather more of it for her mother to use. Um, Her mother also asks her why she wants to hunt, and Naru says that it's because everyone thinks that she can't. Um, so she's a very, uh, she's very eager to prove herself. You know, she's uh, ready to kind of make her own stance and establish who she is. Uh, and which I, which herself. I, I, I appreciated. It's mm-hmm. a pretty standard hero's journey type of protagonist situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my review, I likened her to like Luke Skywalker, just yeah. kind of like, I want something bigger than this. You know, I want something that is a little deeper to my existence, (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was, it was just refreshing in the world of kind of, I guess, postmodern storytelling. That was pretty refreshing to go back to something so basic, you know, Mm -hmm. but to go back to something so basic and like to Amber mid thunder's incredible credit, like she's very convincing. And I think she brings something to this where even though it's, uh, you know, proving yourself is a motivation we've seen time and time again on screen. Mm -hmm. It's still fun to, to watch her, uh, go through the different steps of that hero's journey. You know, you mm-hmm. you, you root for her, uh, no yep. matter how much we might 
kind of know the beats already, I'm still excited to see her go through them and see how she specifically uh, interacts with them. Exactly. Uh, Tabe returns home with the bird as Naro heads out for uh, her orange uh, flowers. And elsewhere, a ship lands and an alien creature arrives, cloaking themselves in the very uh, hive-like, futuristic invisibility situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a staple, it's a staple of the, the predators, the <laughs> invisibility thingy. Yeah, I really like how they did the invisibility effect in this film. Of you, we occasionally see him like get injured or briefly. It'll if something impacts the predator, it has this like red, almost burning look to the spot of the impact that lets us yeah. see where he is still. Um, to play with budget in the very first film, there's a there's a lot of just the camera still on the woods and the fort in the jungle, and you don't know <laughs> what we're supposed to be looking at. Anyway, I, I thought that was cool about the first film. Like they didn't play, they didn't have too much of a budget to play with, so they just stuck the camera. staring at the jungle and then played some (laughs) spooky music on top and you're like what's out there nothing is scarier than not knowing where you're supposed to look (laughs) yeah there's a little bit of that feeling throughout this one kind of Mm -hmm. this foreboding like there's something there you know and of course we see later that naru is pretty privy to that yeah it's a lot of trying to figure out what it is that you're supposed to be look listening for if you know if you're not familiar with the woods and how they sound it could be tricky to pick out the predators like clicking kind of Mm -hmm. sound from just a deer stepping on a branch or just the general sounds of the forest and uh something that naro might be a bit more tuned into than i was (laughs) because i was definitely Mm -hmm. very anxious in many points like is he in the background is he there have i just not seen him yet (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) naro collects the flowers and as she returns the tribes people are all on alert a lion has taken one of their own and they're sending a party out to find him and kill the beast as a few of the men are setting out on the hunt through the woods, one hears a clicking sound and readies his bow. Uh, but before he can fire, Tabe stops him as instead of the predator, as I was immediately terrified, was going to jump out at them. This movie is very quickly doing the what sound is what move on us. Uh, it's in- instead Naru and Sari who have been following behind. The, most of the men don't want her to join, but Tabe speaks on her behalf and she's allowed to stay with the group on the hunt as they might need her medical knowledge when they find their injured uh, fellow and 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 uh, sorry mm-hmm. I don't want to interject more sure but please one char- character moment I have always appreciated right there is that that Tabe is vouching for her mm-hmm. in that moment when everyone else is kind of just kind of telling her off and whatnot um, yeah and I, we see that throughout where he's he's constantly trying to give her credit and defend her even though people don't you know other people don't mm-hmm. really believe in her. Um, I, I've always appreciated that about him. I think that's a great point because it would have been very easy for this movie to have made him more of a, oh, you know, you're a girl, you can't join us in the hunt, older brother character. Mm-hmm. But he's supportive the entire way through and he always believes in Naru's ability to succeed and does, like you said, he steps up, he vouches for her. And that's mm-hmm. consistent throughout. Um, and as, as an oldest sibling, you know, you do want to see your little sibling succeed. So it's it's nice <laughs> to have some good older sibling rep in this, uh, this film. Yeah. We see an ant crawling on some sort of invisible shape uh, as it uh, a snake gets eat, eats a mouse uh, and then immediately gets attacked by whatever that invisible shape is with these two kind of pointed hand knives. Um, he got predatored. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna have to be very clever with the verb usage of uh, the predator prayed. It, 
there's so many mm-hmm. options. <laughs> yeah. Um, the hunt for the lion continues. They find some uh, scat and Naru spots a bloody leaf nearby. Uh, so they're hot on the trail and uh, very close behind, they find the body of their friend who is still alive. So Naru begins to apply medicine. Uh, they quickly build a stretcher and begin to transport him back to uh, their village. Uh, Naru gives him some of the orange flower from earlier, though Tabe cautions that too much of it could kill him. One thing to mention about the flower is that we see this as it's it's used mm-hmm. throughout the film, is that it makes him cold. Yes. And that, that flower plays a key part, and in, in that's a little a really cool moment there where we see how the, the, the flower functions. Yeah, it they do a really good job of seeding the information that we might need later on um, pretty mm-hmm. early in this film. Because, you know, obviously it's a bit of a slow build to when the Predator will be directly hunting any of our human characters. Um, but yeah. they, I think they do a good job of things like that flower coming up earlier that may be a surprise tool that'll help us at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tabe decides to stay on the Trail of the Lion, continue with the hunt. And though Nara wants to go with him, uh, since they're... Uh, their friend is still alive. Um, she's told to stay with him and continue to apply medicine to make sure that he makes it back to town okay. She's worried about what could have scared the lion away from its prey. Um, but nonetheless, they split up and she goes back with the others. Uh, and as they're walking with the stretcher through the woods, uh, her dog spots the dead mouse and snake Uh and though the snake's tail kind of twitches a little bit and scares her, um, Naru notices that the snake is completely skinned and nearby spots a large footprint uh, that follows a and follows the trail of blood to an up tree branch up high. Um, she spotted some signs of something not like a lion that possibly could have scared it. We yep. may even call it a predator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the others want to keep moving, but Naru is very freaked out by whatever skinned a snake like that, and she turns back to warn her brother along with uh, Paka, another one of the tribesmen. Naru is pulled aside by her brother when they catch up as they extinguish their torches, and she tries to warn him about what she found, but he's only concerned about dealing with the lion that they're on the trail of as they're smack dab in the middle of its den. Naru, uh, ever the clever one, devises a plan to bait the lion to a tree nearby and to climb into the branches and wait for it. Uh, And though Paka wants to stalk the trees and stalk the lion directly, Tabe once again backs her up and uh, tells her that it's time for her first hunt. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, I I really love that they set up again, like that Naru is very quick on her feet and comes up with these plans that are sound um you know she thinks she thinks differently her strategy is a lot different than everyone else's (laughs) like i mentioned in i mentioned in my review her strategy is a little bit more um it's uh everyone else seems to be very Mm head-on she's a lot more peripheral and she's able to kind of get a larger rounder picture of things a little bit better than everyone else yeah one of the things they do really well in this movie is let her use her surroundings to kind of execute those plans and this is just mm-hmm. the first example of it but it it only pays off because it's very satisfying to watch a plan go right or wrong regardless yeah. uh, and to have a main character that is you know doing their basic hero's journey kind of deal and at the same time uh is clever in a way that we the audience feel is clever is a a, a smart move from the filmmaker's point because i only ever want to see what nara will come up with 
next Mm -hmm. uh, and continue to root for her in that way too. Naru and Paka go to hide in the tree as her brother baits the ground. uh, And Paka tries to kind of talk up how scary a lion is to her and kind of freaks her out a little bit. Um, But as he gets a little too gassed up about talking about how scary that lion is, he almost immediately gets got by the lion as it jumps into the air and into the tree branches. Um, The lion is up in the tree with Naru as she faces it down and it backs her further along the branch as she readies herself. Uh, And just as it seems that one or both of them will have to strike, a distant roar distracts her for a second and she falls off of the branch uh, and lands on her back getting knocked out. And to point out though, right before she fell, she actually... Mm -hmm got a good stab in its ribcage right when she was falling. Yeah. And so well, I think a lot of people missed that. I'm like, mm, no, she had it. She just got mm. distracted by the big sound in the woods. <laughs> so sorry, my very own lion has decided that it's time for her to make an appearance. Ziggy, if you could go somewhere else. <laughs> okay. She wants the attention. <laughs> She's learned that when I start talking into the microphone that um, she can get attention because I'm recording something. I try <laughs> Maybe you're better at schemes than I thought you were. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she Naru comes to back at her mom's home, uh, and she's told that her brother carried her home before going back out after the lion. Um, her mother gives her some tea and insists that she rest. Uh, she's also told that uh, Puki survived because her medicine was applied so skillfully. So, uh, you know, she's capable in many other ways. Uh, Uh, Something that her mother will come back to a lot throughout this film is like, you don't need to prove yourself in hunting. Like you're so skilled in everything else that you do. Um, But of course, what Nara wants to do is prove uh, herself in a way that everyone doesn't believe she's skilled. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just then, Tabe returns with the lion and Nara watches as Tabe is honored for his hunt. Uh, Everyone is celebrating as he returns with the uh, head of the lion. And uh, as she kind of Sees all of the celebration happening, Naru turns to leave and is caught by her brother who asks where she's going. After all, they did it. They killed the lion. Um, But she is insistent that they're not done because whatever skinned that snake uh, and scared that lion is still out there. uh, And she wants to go hunt whatever it is uh, out there beyond the ridgeline. And there's two things to to notice about this scene in Mm -hmm. particular is that, one, we learned earlier that... uh, when her and her mother are working on their herbs, it's because their war chief has a really bad knee. Mm-hmm. So they're in need of a a new war chief. And Tabe comes just in time to prove that like, oh, he can be the new war chief. So he is awarded to, you know, that status immediately. And the one thing that I thought was interesting is that he's he celebrates with her. Mm-hmm. He's like, we did it. We did it. And she's being so stubborn about it. She's like, no, there's still something out there. And, I, I, it's just interesting like Tabe just has so much grace up until that point and yeah. he gets he gets so pissed <laughs> off at her he's like you know what fine like I did it mm-hmm. yeah you know he's like you know I, I, I wanted to give both of us the victory and technically they did both because she, she it was her right. plan she weakened it for him but just you know the, the, the character dynamic the brother sister dynamic was so believable with a moment <laughs> like that I, I thought that was really well written and well acted Absolutely. It doesn't feel like there's a point where he's unaware of how she feels or is being purposefully callous or anything. It very much is that, you know, I'm trying to give you credit and you're not taking Mm -hmm. it and you're pushing this issue to a point that I don't believe it needs to be pushed. And that's frustrating. Mm -hmm. And that frustration boils over. Uh, Yeah, it's a very 
very sibling moment uh, and it, it plays really well. Um, yeah. The next morning, Naru is woken once more by a boot to her shoulder and we see her head out with the other women to uh, start their day. Or she would if she didn't uh, return her bag and quickly suit up for a hunt, uh, walking the opposite way of the rest of the women as she sets off on her hunt instead, uh, continuing to follow her conviction that there is something else out there that needs her attention. Um, One specific thing that I I noticed, sorry, one thing that I liked about this scene is, I guess, I mean, just from my personal viewpoint of watching it, Mm -hmm. Of course, she's kind of typically going against the grain of everything. But like one thing I noticed, too, about like particularly about how she dresses, she doesn't dress like the other woman in the tribe. So it's like it's not that she is a typical Comanche woman. She's pretty. She's her own. She's she like her, her character by herself is inherently just wants to go out and do something different. She's she wears war paint. Mm-hmm. Like not a lot of people, not a lot of people do that. Not even the women do that, right? If to them, it's we. Like you can tell, there's little moments where the woman kind of gossip about her a little bit. Um, and I thought that was interesting because uh, when the film first came out, there was a lot of there was a lot of dumb skepticism about like you know, no 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 native woman would do that. But it's like, well, her character just wants to be different in general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, at that scene, it really, in my opinion, kind of encapsulated that where. All the women have their hair done up in braids. They all mm-hmm. wear their dresses. They're all going to go and do, you know, their their normal duties. But she's already, just the way she dresses and the way she carries herself, she's just different inherently. So it makes sense that we're going to see that that visual representation right there. And I, I really like that scene. Yeah, I think they do a really good job of balancing the, uh, for lack of a better term, I'm not like other girlsness of the of our female yeah, protagonist. To, with... <laughs> to, to the point that it's a, it's not cheesy. It just it yeah. kind of makes sense, you know, to me. It, it just feels a little, like the it's only a way she could be rather than cheesy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this scene is probably the most overt, like going against the grain moment, and it is shot very very nicely and has probably the most overt signal to the audience that that's a phrase she might have used in a less. Um, in a more overt movie. But I, I think that, like you've been mm-hmm. saying, like the costuming and the way that she carries herself and her actions kind of already are going against the grain and just set that up so nicely that it's very believable that this is the action she would choose mm-hmm. to take. Um, yep. But Naru sets out uh, along the ridge alone, save for her dog, Sari, her ever faithful companion. Um, she finds some green blood on a stump and more of the large footprints from before, one of which she measures with the stick. And it is huge. That predator's got big old feet. It's a, um, it's a good, <laughs> it's a good like 15 inches long. Oh, it's yeah. huge. <laughs> um, we again kind of go back to uh, the predator as it watches as a rabbit is hunted by a coyote. And we go into the heat vision that the predator has uh, as we watch this hunt happen and just as the coyote nabs the rabbit, it is side-checked by the invisible hunter and um, the predator and coyote sort of face down in almost a like Western standoff, uh, like two samurai about to duel. Uh, mm-hmm. And they run at each other. And the predator, of course, at the last second, um, wins handily by decapitating the coyote. Well, yeah, it does something that um, we see, we've seen in plenty of other predator films. Uh, but he does it to humans. I was... The sadist in me was uh, disappointed we didn't see this to happen to a human. <laughs> but yeah, he like he literally starts at the spine and rips out the spine mm. and then holds the head up at the end of it. 
uh, <laughs> and that's that's something that they do a lot in the Predator movies. But they he did it to the whole, the 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 coyote in this one. But um, yeah, that was that's a that's a reference to more of like what the predators do when they hunt. Mm-hmm. They rip out the spinal cord and yeah. I like these kind of like little predator interludes a little bit. I, I went back and forth on this because I do think there was a lot of parts of this film where uh, just seeing kind of Naru slowly put together the signs that she's finding to kind of track the predator and kind of wondering like, oh, well, wh- what's it doing? Where is it? And like, is it hunting her right now? Uh, is a very mm-hmm. like scary side of it. But there is part of if you treat this as like you're int- if, if you're like me and you've seen no other predator media and this is your introduction to the predator, it was helpful to occasionally see the predator hunting other things and kind of yeah. getting bigger and bigger prey, as it were, uh, mm-hmm. and more and more challenging prey um, to then kind of build up to why this thing might be the the apex predator, the ultimate challenge uh, in this instance. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if the if the hulking alien uh, covered in some sort of tech and invisibility shield arriving in its giant spaceship wasn't enough of a clue that this guy might be a problem, these scenes did sort of help that kind of build up uh, before we get to the real meat of the hunt, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, elsewhere, Naru is hunting Rabbit with her throwing axe with limited success, so she innovates in what I think is one of the coolest uh, innovations she's got in this movie, tying a, a rope that she's made to her axe so that she can throw it and retrieve it much faster, and she can almost use it like a whip with an axe on the end, and it's a very cool mm-hmm. weapon. Uh, it's a nice signature weapon for Naru to have in this film and uh, be on the poster, but also just like really cool visually to watch her swing this thing around and kind of yeah. get a feel for it and plays into this style of fighting that we've seen she's already pretty adept with earlier on. It's, it's very Mortal Kombat-y, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I thought that was really cool, too. Mm-hmm. Um, she's collected a bunch of rabbits, having gotten much more successful at the uh, small game hunting since of her axe-based innovation. And she stops for dinner, uh, eating rabbit and joking to Sari that the next time uh, the dog is going to have to cook. <laughs> Uh, she stamps out the fire and she and her faithful companion are off once again on the hunt. Uh, elsewhere, the predator uses a gas to dissolve all but the bones of the coyote uh, when some barking draws its attention and we see the predator go invisible um, now on yeah, the trail. Yeah, th- th- that scene is, in- is interesting because in the other predator movies too, when they, when, they, when they dissolve the skull, they always show the predator looking at it and just kind of like ogling it and admiring it. It's really funny. It's interesting. They did that to this one too. He like He's looking at it and he just kind of like is kind of just you know, looking like really ogling at it, mm-hmm. kind of like when Michael Myers killed the guy on the the door. You know, just kind of like <laughs> yeah. cocking his head and just looking. It's just interesting. Like it gives a slight insight into like their psychology. You know, mm-hmm. um, you get the sense that they're yeah. very interested in not just the thrill of the hunt itself, but like what kind of prey it is that they've conquered in this instance, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. down to its bones. Um, yep. Naru sees some birds circling and arrives at a field of completely skinned buffalo. Uh, She takes a moment to kind of pause over one, uh, I believe say a small prayer. And um, as she does, she finds a mysterious tube casing of some kind. Um, And as she's taking this moment to stand in front of all of the skinned buffalo, there's an invisible uh, whooshing as the predator is hopping through the trees and uh, follows through the path that we've seen Naru take uh, close behind her. And one thing to note about the skinned buffalo thing mm-hmm. uh, is that like, well, I don't know. 
should I talk about that part now or when we get to the? Yeah, go for who, it. Who did if it? I don't you know. haven't seen Prey before this, you're going to get spoiled for the rest. of <laughs> You're going to see more of the movie. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess for me, that whole sequence is actually really ironic and interesting to me because if you, if you, I mean, I don't know if you, you haven't seen the other Predator movies, but like, mm-hmm. I mean, you see that he skins the, the uh, snake. Mm-hmm. But in the other previous Predator movies, he actually skins the humans, too. Mm. And it's just interesting that if you don't know about American history, but maybe you know about uh, the Predator franchise, you're like, oh, dang, like the Predator skinned all these buffalo. But then you get to that moment where she looks down and we see the bullet casing. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, wait, what? You know, like I thought, the, I don't know, for me personally, you know, knowing that part of American history with the buffalo and everything, like it was like this interesting layer of irony within the context of a predator movie where the predator skins its prey like that and just leave. Like, I mean, that's partially what made the first predators like part action, part horror. Mm-hmm. You know, they find the skinned bodies of soldiers and like it's literally their skin is gone, but like their eyeballs are in their teeth are still there and stuff. It's horrifying. Yeah. Uh, but it's just interesting that whole that sequence I thought was just in the context of it all was really fascinating, ironic, and kind of tickled my brain a little bit. I thought it was cool. Yeah, it's a good misdirect for if you haven't seen the film before. Uh, we're about to meet some uh, mm-hmm. French fur traders who are one hundred percent the people who skinned all those buffalo. And don't worry if you don't like them from the second you meet them, like I do, they're <laughs> they're not going to last very long to the end of the film. But uh, they're you know. At this point in the film, we, we haven't met them yet. We can't be sure that yeah, that's yeah. happening. And so it's yep. much like Naru kind of trying to put together what's going on. It's like, did the Predator do this? You know, we didn't see that in one of our interludes. Every other time we've seen the Predator kill something, it's been pretty direct. Like, what's going on here? And kind of reigniting a little bit more of that mystery that maybe was taken out by us seeing so many of uh, the Predator's actions previously. And a nice callback to, like you said, Predator's getting uh, its previous human prey and some other entries of the franchise. Yeah. Naru is back in the woods and uh, she hears a twig snap and spots some claw marks in a tree. Uh, And as she's investigating, she sort of slips into some swampy area uh, and kind of begins to sink into the mud um, as she struggles against this swampy bog, trying to use, she tries to use her uh, rope with axe to latch onto a nearby tree stump, which is a great big uh, overturned pile of roots. (laughs) Please note that cool set piece for later. Uh, And she throws and throws and throws, trying to latch onto it so that she could pull herself out of the mud and into safety. And just as things are looking dire at what was likely going to be her last throw, she's able to uh, latch onto the roots and pull herself out from the muck. Again, Nara's a pretty intense scene. Yeah, this was maybe the most worried for her I was in the entire film. Like, oh my God, is she going to get mud? Like, that's terrifying. Um, there's also that 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 scene is also it serves in my opinion serves two purposes. One, it's mm-hmm. a misdirect for other predator stuff about mm-hmm. mud, and then two, it also shows more about her her cunning and her you know just her quick thinking and mm-hmm. everything, and just how calm she is. Like she can she she does her best to remain calm mm-hmm. in some of these really intense situations, which I thought was uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, they do a good job, I think, of she's allowed to be afraid. Like, obviously, near supernatural things are happening to her. Like, that, those are going to induce some fear. They don't hesitate to let her be afraid of the predator or of some of these less 
uh, defined things happening around her. But when she is in a very grounded situation, like mm-hmm. being stuck in the mud, Naru uh, is very much all business and is able to kind of stay uh, grounded enough to deal with the situation. I think that's a good balance to strike of this character is realistically competent and capable and can keep a level head, but she's not some superhero who's going to, you know, be calm, cool and collected in the face of some completely monstrous, you know, legendary danger. She's going to react like a human being would. And that makes her even more relatable as a Mm -hmm. protagonist. Yep. Uh, She stops at a nearby river to clean herself and all her stuff off and in the process reunites with her dog who has brought her a dead uh, rodent of some kind. Um, As uh, Naru and Sari are watching the river, they see a bear eating a deer and uh, they kind of sneak up on it. This bear is big and mean and very well could be the thing that Naru was tracking. You know, at this point, she's still not aware that the predator exists. Um, A breeze blows from behind them, which carries their scent down to the bear and Naru readies her bow about to ready to spring into action. But as she's preparing to shoot, the string snaps and she has to very quickly kind of duck down and try and retie it as the bear begins to charge. Um, Sari buys her some time by distracting the bear, chasing it away as Naru reties her bow. Uh, and when it comes back around, her first shot hits, but doesn't finish the bear. Uh, so Naru swims up into a beaver dam and uses the branches to protect herself as the bear claws at her. Um, and as she watches uh, partially hidden, the bear begins to fight something other than her. It's an invisible, somewhat occasionally red glowing foe. Uh seeming to emerge victorious until the predator pops up from behind the bear and finishes the job, raising the dead bear over yeah, its he, head. <laughs> that scene was probably one of my favorite scenes of the oh, year because yeah. it, it was so <laughs> visceral and epic and it actually showed that like this bear could have really, you know, killed, killed it. You know, like it was a worthy adversary in that moment, obviously just, it, you know, doesn't have the same cognitive abilities as this being, mm-hmm. but like, but like, it just finishes off by just punching it in the face. <laughs> like, it shows how strong and big this thing is. It's scary, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It was just, it was just, it reminded me so much of the Revenant, but a lot more. <laughs> just, it was just, it was just cool. I love that scene a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool. The action scenes of this are very fun to watch. There's some really great standout moves. Uh, punching a bear mm-hmm. in the face is up there for you know top action moment of the film but you know it's, yeah it, it was cool i can't take that from it <laughs> yeah. and of course the the imagery of the him holding the bear and the mm-hmm. blood just like exposing his figure is pretty iconic i really like that too yeah they do a good job of getting around the invisibility factor of it because obviously that's a pretty big hurdle for any normal human to surmount so the blood covering it to give you an idea of what it is that you're dealing with uh some mm-hmm. later instances obviously the invisibility will drop but uh, this is a great early indicator. And of course, the first time that Naru sees any part of the Predator directly, um, immediately, you know, that predator pay relationship can be established. Um, yep. Naru flees into the river as the Predator. Uh, heat vision kind of watches her swim away. Naru lets the river take her a ways down, stops to take stock and begins to walk home when she's spotted by men from her tribe. Uh, They were sent to bring her back and her brother is out looking for her over the ridge. Uh, And this is where she describes the predator as uh, the Mupisi, I think, is pronouncing that right? The Mupits, the Mupits, Mupits, Mupits. Mupits. Uh, She saw the Mupits. Um, 
Again, she's using the language that she has to describe the thing that she saw. I think that is incredibly smart. She tries to go after her brother, uh, but she gets literally fist fought over this uh, as her and one of the men brawl. uh, And she fights pretty brutally and it seems like she's succeeded. uh, But as she stands up, she's blindsided by another man kind of stepping in to tag team take her down. I liked this scene because she's a dirty fighter. Oh, yeah. She's like biting. Like she's pulling no punches. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, um, exactly. I like that. I'm like, yes, like that's what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're going to someday take down the predator, this is exactly the kind of establishing you need to show that you are willing to do what needs to be done. And I love that yep. for her. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time this was going down, the predator was watching. Uh, ooh, they've got a little bit of a special relationship now. Uh, yep. <laughs> and, and and that scene in particular, we we see the predators hone in on their spear tips. Mm, yes and 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 of course i'm i'm introducing you to a bit of this lore but (laughs) uh she mentions it later but like the predators they don't necessarily hunt women or Mm -hmm. like unarmed people or unarmed you know beings they only really go for the armed ones or the ones that they perceive to be a worthy uh prey something that is already a predator in mm-hmm. their eyes so there's a reason why it literally hones in on their spear tips and so he recognizes them as the next thing that he needs to hunt down and exactly. uh, i think in this in the second movie there's actually a really fascinating scene where the predators in the subways in new york and it does a scan of a woman and she's pregnant and he just kind of pushes her out of the way and mm-hmm. so it's really fascinating like you know there's there's a whole bunch of lore about like why they do and don't do that but yeah, that, that, I thought that was really cool how even if you haven't seen it, it somewhat is established of like what's going on with this, this dynamic here. Yeah, it's it's going to be important later too for how Naru kind of comes up with her subsequent plans to eventually get away from and or defeat the Predator. So it's great mm-hmm. seeding for that as well. I, I can't really say enough about how this movie did a great job. As someone who's seen no other Predator movies, like I feel like I always kind of understood exactly what I needed to about how the predator worked and what its skills were to understand where the movie was going, Naru's plans and sort of like what was happening in any given scene. Uh, they do a really great job of like planting, like you said, the predator doesn't hunt non other predators, uh, prey, unarmed people, uh, pregnant women, yeah. non-threatening individuals, non-combatants um, basically. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and like that will be important later on, but that's not something that you would just inherently know if you see a predator on screen, if you see no other predator movies. So the movie does a great job of kind of accommodating this this yeah. functioning as an entry point to the franchise, as well as callbacks for people who have seen more of the movies, which I think is a, yeah, a hard exactly. balance to achieve. Yeah. Um, one of the guys also makes fun of her leash on her axe, which silly him. Little does he know that's the coolest thing that she's ever done made. <laughs> <laughs> they pause for a moment to uh, drink and use the restroom when Naro hears some distant clicking and immediately goes on alert, as does everyone else. But uh, after one of the men uh, shoots a possum, the men relax, though Naru is still concerned with what could have possibly drawn the possums their way. As one of the men goes to retrieve the possum, he finds himself with uh, red dots on him, and Naru watches as several bolts fire into him, uh, killing the man immediately. The predator is on the attack. Um, so this this scene in particular, for again, if you haven't seen the previous Predator movies, this was actually a surprise to a lot of people who have seen all the Predator movies because the three-dot laser thing 
it's basically it's like you know a, a laser tracking thing mm-hmm. but what that's laser tracking is literally like a plasma bolt Ooh. and it in the original films and all the subsequent films it blasts a big hole in its prey but the moment we see the three dots but then one trails up to his head i was like oh what the we're, we're seeing something different and then we see that it's basically like three darts for each dot and that that for someone who was like used to the franchise was really fascinating, but it also, in my opinion, it kind of kept within the thematic elements of like mm-hmm. the the pre-colonial times of arrows and spears and stuff like that. And it was just it was fascinating. I really I thought it was a cool little change uh, yeah. for I guess like the mechanics of how this predator is functioning. Yeah, it's cool to see a world that feels it feels very like alive and lived in to have a world where even your, you know, alien hunter has some sort of like technological evolution over time. Um, And so that, you know, that's it it keeps the aesthetic of the film very solid for this one for them to have made that change. But it also in the greater scheme of the franchise, I think is a neat choice to show that there is some evolution on both sides. You know, know, we're all going from spears to plasma bolts over time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The clicking continues as the remaining men are now on alert. Naru trying to cut herself loose as everyone is too uh, occupied with everything else going on to start on that. Um, They watch as something invisible begins to retrieve its bolts from their dead companion. uh, And though one arrow hits the predator, uh, it only briefly illuminates him. It does little to stop him. We see terrifying alien Mm -hmm. guy tentacles scary face mask big old fangs hulking huge form the works (laughs) yep uh in the middle of this fight there's a wilhelm scream if just continuing a grand film tradition (laughs) yeah um Naru runs to one of the dead men and tries to cut herself loose and watches as the predator kills and beheads another one of her companions uh going back to some of its old tricks as it were Mm -hmm. um that fight sequence I thought was was interesting because uh, when when talking with Dan Trachingbert, he mentioned mm-hmm. how the film wanted to capture the spirit of of how the Comanche fought in a sense, Ooh. and it was just interest, interesting to me that like these guys they they immediately just took action. Mm-hmm. There was like no second thought; like they just went in and did, and they took on they took it on as best they thought they possibly could without understanding what its capabilities were um but it was just interesting they they put up a good fight they injured yeah. it a few times they shot it they like three times during that whole fight uh but i thought you know later on we're gonna we see more of that the, uh, this idea of uh capturing the spirits of how the comanche fought mm-hmm. and how they survived in the world that they were in but i thought that was a the you know naru carries that herself but then like this scene in particular for me personally illustrated that idea just a little bit more yeah they're very consistent throughout like the the problem that the uh comanche are running into is not like well we don't want to go fight this thing it is very much like okay well we're facing this threat that you know we just don't have all the facts about but it never stops anyone Mm -hmm. from jumping into action whether that's naru or any of her uh in this case unfortunately doomed uh tribesmen um but again it's very admirable to see that spirit carried through um Mm -hmm. And, and one thing that's continuing this as well. Yeah. Oh, please. <laughs> it, one thing that people didn't notice, and I, I never note, mentioned this in my review of the film, but like mm-hmm. the guy that he beheads, mm-hmm. um, it sounds like he's giving a normal, like, you know, scream of death, but it's actually a death scream. 
uh, a lot for a lot of tribes, and especially the Comanche, they do these things where uh, when you know you're gonna die, you give out like one last yell of like a warrior spirit type of thing. Uh, it's a death. It's a death yell. Some tribes, when they go to war, they wear a death face. It's like a paint, mm-hmm. a special specific paint. Um, but if you really listen how he how he screams, he was doing that as like the death, like a death scream. Um, before he cuts his head off. And it was just interesting. It was like, oh, he knew he was going to die. So he did that, you know? And mm-hmm. I, as an indigenous viewer, I picked that up really easily. But if you don't know anything of that, it just sounds like he's yelling some awkward scream before he dies. But we get a little bit of that later with Nato too. That's incredibly cool. I love those little details because it does make it, you know, much more apparent that the crew working on this and the, specifically the creative team are much more steeped in the culture than... If you just had some random guy be like, I want to tell the story and this is the setting that I'm choosing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that those details can be included. And even if not every audience member picks up on them, it just goes further to the whole picture and tone of the film itself. Yeah. Naru manages to get her ex and free herself as the predator kills the last remaining man. And they briefly face off uh, because by face off, I do mean that she quickly runs into an open field and is pulled into hiding by one of the few surviving men. The guy that was going to go take a dump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it bought him some time. You know, it's important to <laughs> pay attention to when your bowel movements are happening because you never know when a predator could very well be on the hunt. To, to quote Jurassic Park, you got to go when you got to go. <laughs> it's continuing a grand tradition of uh, yeah. monster movies uh, <laughs> <laughs> and folks needed to take a dump. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like this scene because they are communicating with hand signals silently because, of course, they don't know that the predator sees by heat vision. Uh, so they're assuming, like many animals, that he might hear them and therefore are trying to stay quiet, to stay hidden. Um, that was something the cast actually learned. Um, the the cast, uh, the, the, all the, the guys, the tribesmen and Amber and Dakota, they actually all did like a boot, like a combat boot camp with a native, uh, a native guy who's like... Um, he was like he did like uh, he was in the in the military and police, and he actually understood a lot and knew retroactively a lot of indigenous uh, hand signs. And so Comanche language, he learned how to do that. Then he taught it to them. So the sign language that they're using in the film is a hundred percent legit. Like they actually learned it. And then on set, they would like talk to each other in that <laughs> that style and everything. So they went they went all out. And you even see the combat style used when the the hunting party is going out to go. Uh, find Paku. Mm-hmm. They do like they do like this wedge formation, and they do like the hand signs. Like that was all legit. Like they, they, that they that they learned and wow. uh, studied about how the Comanche did these hunting parties and stuff. And so, it, it, I don't know. It was just cool. Like learning about that. I'm like, that's like that's far beyond some other films have done. Mm-hmm. It's for a predator movie. <laughs> yeah, it's cool to see that level of detail and care going into a big franchise mm-hmm. picture. I mean, you mentioned at the top of the show, like. Anytime you get a, a big franchise entry, you're going to get eyes on it. You know, you're going to get mm-hmm. studios and budgets and all that jazz. But to have still care and attention put into uh, the indigenous representation and also just like the actual content of the film itself is super cool. <laughs> yep. Um, the predator is, of course, on their tail on the hunt, moving through the tall grass. Uh, he, of course, sees past their hand signals as cool as they may be. Uh, Unfortunately, the Predator does have heat vision, so as long as they are warm bodies, this is going to be a problem for them. Um, The man 
readies an arrow and says that they have him, but Naru spots the three red lights on his head and realizes that the predator actually has them. And she's able to pull the man out of the way uh, just as those bolts fire out and they start to flee through the grass, but the predator quickly kills her companion and leaves Naru the only one rushing into the woods. Uh, Probably one of the coolest scenes too, like, you know, um, of the grass Mm-hmm. Kind of, you see the the grass depressing on the ground like really, really fast, and it's it's scary. You realize yeah. how fast this thing is behind them. <laughs> They've got one of those great shots of like there's really nothing in the frame except for the landscape in the scene too, where it's like you know we don't see even the outline of the predator, and I've nope, spent the you whole just see the two grass. seconds there, just like which grass is going to move a little bit weird? <laughs> like mm-hmm. where could he possibly be? And any bit yeah, of wind? Yeah, reminded me of a. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of a, uh, the Lost World. Oh, Lost yeah. World, the second Jurassic Park movie with the velociraptors in the grass. That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> grass also makes for a great uh, set piece if you are in a pinch mm-hmm. in a monster action movie. Um, yeah. Naru gets her foot stuck in a trap like uh, Sari did earlier uh, and tries to free herself from the metal cl- bear trap, claw trap type deal. Um as the predator arrives and starts to hold the chain but does not immediately kill her um when all of a sudden the tension is broken by a bunch of uh french fur hunters showing up and knocking her out once again uh naru's out um i did watch this movie on hulu and i will say that they have perfectly timed all of the commercial breaks to be whenever naru gets knocked out in this film Uh, So this was my like third commercial break of the movie, (laughs) which is very smart. I did make me feel like, you know, she has been unconscious for some time. And now the commercial has ended. (laughs) Just come back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I thought was fascinating is that they they chose English to represent Naru's worldview. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, the fur trappers are all speaking French, but they chose not to translate it. Yeah. Which I thought was really fascinating because it really gives us deeper into Naru's, uh, her POV of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that like she doesn't really quite understand what they're saying. And so I speak Portuguese, so I was able to kind of <laughs> pick up little bits mm-hmm. here and there of what they were saying. I recognize some words. Um, but I thought that was fascinating. And so if you watch it in the Comanche dub, it immerses you even more mm. uh, to the fact that they're speaking... They're just speaking French, and the fact that they, they chose not to translate it for the audience, I thought was very, very interesting. Yeah, I think it actually, you know, it's a choice that works because ultimately it doesn't really matter to us, the audience, what these guys are saying. They do a pretty good job mm-hmm. of them up to the line of overacting, like just how goonish a lot of these French guys are. Uh, they're very much, mm-hmm. I, I saw a big group of guys in various levels of furs and like cartoon pirate mustache and I'm like, nah, I don't think these are going to last very long. Yeah, um, they're literally land pirates <laughs> in this film. Yeah, but- that, uh, was, that was my one critique about these this film was that these guys are a little too- <laughs> A little too goof cartoonishly, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> a little handlebar um, mustache twirly, but. Uh, yeah, but at, yeah, at, at the same time, they serve a purpose, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to know exactly what they're saying uh, to understand that they are alien to Naru and also uh, probably going to get caught and up to no good. Mm-hmm. Um, she comes to and she's in a cage and she's at this hunting camp. And they've got her little dog, too. I was so worried about... Sorry kept disappearing for so long in this movie. <laughs> and then he yeah. popped back up. Um, yep. 
one of the Frenchmen uh, wearing a bunch of buffalo skins turns and Naru recognizes that he was the one who killed and skinned all those buffalo or, you know, he was leading this camp that had done that. So we learn um, that that strange occurrence spotted earlier was not the predator, but is in fact all of these French traders. The guy kind of stabs at her and she grabs the stick and stabs back, never one to uh, hesitate before jumping into action. And this pisses him off. Uh, and the one Frenchman who speaks English comes up to her to ask what she saw. Um, he's or uh, Comanche, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he says that she should be helping them because they think that whatever this creature out there is is a hunter and it's looking for the strongest beast. Uh, and in his mind, that's them. Um, he hands her something green. And uh, or covered in like the green predator blood that we saw on the stump earlier, uh, which is a very vivid shade of green that I absolutely loved. I was like, that's so distinct and so highly saturated compared to everything else around me. Like, well, that's going to make for a cool visual later. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact in the original film, it was legitimately um, uh, the, the goo, the, the, the liquid and glow sticks. Mm. <laughs> so that's what that's what they human. use. No, but Oof. they literally just, they used that. They got the, the glow sticks and broke it and used that for the predator blood. Ooh, so. nice. <laughs> um, the hunter says that the predator has killed her whole party, uh, but she sort of mouths to herself that it didn't kill everyone. Naru is still alive. They open another cage and reveal that her brother Tabe has also been caught and uh, cut his stomach in front of her. Um, they like, you better tell us everything you know. We've got your brother. Uh, and we kind of go from here quickly to the siblings tied to a tree in a desolate patch of foggy forest. Uh, they have become the bait for the hunter. <laughs> Trying to lure the predator using them tied to a tree. Uh, and they have a chance to talk to each other. Um Tabe asks if the thing the white men are trying to catch is the thing that she was after, and she sort of laughs to herself, like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I was out on a hunt. Um, yeah, and he's like, this is the thing you want for your first hunt? <laughs> That's another great kind of, like, sibling moment of, like, oh, mm -hmm. this is a pretty desperate situation, but at least they are still, you know, caring about each other. Um, yeah. As one Frenchman watches their bait behind him, the entire uh, party is slaughtered and all of their horses flee uh you know classic it's behind me isn't it kind of deal mm -hmm. um and he notices too late and as uh he turns around i was watching this with my boyfriend who does speak french and the only word that he translated for me was this man saying uh shit <laughs> before yeah. getting he predator. literally says merde merde <laughs> and it's like the same that's the same in portuguese and spanish as merda it's just like shit <laughs> The um, most universal yeah. language really is cursing. <laughs> um, Naru and Tabe begin to try and get loose as the predator phases into and out of visibility, kind of slaughtering all the Frenchmen around them. And they realize that they are the bait and he's coming for them. Uh, but Naru also kind of connects the dots of, well, he doesn't really want us. He doesn't want the bait because that's not how it hunts. You know, it wants the challenge of the predator. Mm -hmm. um, it left when it saw her in the trap because it didn't think she was a threat. Tabe uh, also takes a moment to admit that he killed the lion uh, with her tree plan, that, you know, she's the one who's come up with these out-of-the-box ideas, these clever ideas, and that she had it. You know, she had that lion if she hadn't fallen out of that tree. It was, it was really hers um, because she sees what he misses, and they are resolute in their desire to kill this predator and escape from this trap. 
Uh, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Movies love that's, this line. So that's a that's a reference <laughs> to the first film. Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. says that in the first. If it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> I'm glad so no yeah, one was doing uh, a Schwarzenegger uh, impression, but it's good to have the line in there. <laughs> exactly. Um, the predator gets its foot caught in one of the French metal traps, uh, and all of the Frenchmen bust out of their blinds in the ground to try and kill it, but it uses its various alien technologies to easily handle their 1719-era weapons and traps, uh, including a like metal fold-out shield that functions as a big old circular blade as well. He's got. It was inspired by the God of War, apparently, the video game. Huh. Huh. Yeah. I, can, I can see that with the way it like yeah. folds out and everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and one one interesting thing too is that the I noticed that the French actually purposely burnt that area down to make it ashy so that mm-hmm. they could see see the creature because he like he looks at the ash and he's like ah crap so he turns off his his cloaking everything mm-hmm. so they thought that through at least <laughs> they had a plan it wasn't a perfect yeah. plan but it was a mm-hmm. plan <laughs> yeah maybe they should ask Naro about it she seems to have been much better at this whole planning <laughs> thing the whole time <laughs> exactly. We see the Predator do a bunch of fighting. Uh, this is a summary, so I won't send you down every single one, but there's some very cool action choreography in here. Um, mostly, this is just a bunch of Frenchmen getting absolutely slaughtered. Um, Naru, of course, does have a plan. She and her brother get down low, uh, and um, Naru explains that she once saw a beaver stuck in a trap that had chewed off its own leg in order to free itself, and kind of playing with her brother a little bit almost tricks him into thinking that she's about to use a nearby uh, bear trap to take one of her own limbs off for them to escape but then she just uses it to snap the rope instead that's holding them and says that she's smarter than a beaver uh because of course she is <laughs> she's our mm-hmm. hero and has proven time and time again that she's an incredibly clever person um one guy does try to shoot the predator uh right in his face and the bullet immediately ricochets off his mask and kills him i did note that because i thought it was very funny <laughs> yeah classic <laughs> yeah that's some good franchise action movie uh well there's there's also there's also a little bit of characterization with the predator in this one mm-hmm. i mentioned this in my review of it but uh there's one kill that he does with the shield and it decapitates the guy mm-hmm. and the tree and then you see the blood squirting from his neck stump but it, he laughs the predator laughs he just goes ha <laughs> you can see it. It's really funny. He like he kind of laughs at it and then walks away, which I thought was was interesting for this one. Like we see a little bit of personality run through him because mm-hmm. like all the other predators in the in the other franchise in the whole franchise, there's only been one other one. I think it was in the first Alien versus Predator movie where we see like a bit of a personality bleeding through the creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time, they're kind of just these cold blooded killers, but. There's just there's a moment like this I thought was really interesting. It's like I was like, oh look, he he just laughed at that. It's I mean, one, he's this sadistic son of a bitch, but like <laughs> it's just funny because to me it was interesting. I'm like, oh, he laughed at that. I'm like, okay, I guess you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's fun to give him a little bit of a personality. I think it does also help establish like the predator is not hunting with a purpose. He's very much just hunting for the sport of it all, uh, and it mm-hmm. kind of feeds into that sort of characterization of him that you see throughout because we're never really given maybe this is something that comes up in the other movies but the predator never really has a a use for other than trophy any of the people or animals that he's killed in this movie um yeah uh, in the lore it's 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 a it's culture and and status that's really what it's all it is (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, Naru and uh, Tabo are now free, so they're going to go uh, get other things free. Per- pointedly, uh, Naru is going to go get her dog while her brother goes to get the horses. Um, mm-hmm. The French continue to get slaughtered by the Predator using its very advanced space tech, uh, which is all very disc-based as far as I could tell, or mm. throwing spear, presumably in the future, plasma laser-based. <laughs> um, yeah. I love his spear because it's a... It's a combination of a spear and a kumbi, a kumbi stick. Ooh. I don't know if you know what a kumbi stick is. It's a, it's basically like a like a mace. Yeah. So on one end it's a mace, and the other end is a spear. But and the fact that he can take it apart mm-hmm. and dual wield it is actually just for me. It was genius. I was like, <laughs> oh, that's actually so sick. That's so cool. Yeah. I love when a weapon can do two things and be dual weld. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. it makes for great fight choreography, and also yep. it's sick as hell. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm happy to see it happen. <laughs> Um, I do think all the weapons they give in the Predator in this, again, not having any knowledge of what weapons the Predator usually wields, were really well chosen for the types of fights that it gets into and the types of combat that we have happened. Like, it does all feel yeah. very in the face or, uh, yeah. you know, there's the little, he does have a couple traps that he'll use that will, like, take a man's leg off at one point or something like that. Mm-hmm. But even those can later be used by Naru and, like, adapted. Yeah. And, the the yeah. one thing that, the franchise does is that with every every film, mm-hmm. they always add in. I call the the toys, the new toys. <laughs> so like in the first film, we see a certain amount, and then in the second film, it's something else is introduced, and then something else is introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe like in the second Alien versus Predator movie, one of the Predators actually has like this whip, Ooh. and the whip is just <laughs> made of these serrated blades and it's like <laughs> it's it's cheesy but it's fun you know and it's like mm-hmm. it's interesting and um but this one i don't know it just made it more interesting and again fun but it also fed into the character of the predator i in my review i mentioned that he's he seems young yeah. a bit reckless you know like he's arrogant that was that was the that was the the, the way you watch the fighting and the way he busts out all his new toys at once mm-hmm. i'm like okay i feel like this guy is He's he's young or he's arrogant in my opinion, but yeah. Yeah, he never really seems to take the possibility of a threat from any of his prey all that seriously. Like he never really seems to consider anyone much of a challenge. Uh, it does mm-hmm. seem like he's doing it for the fun of it. Um, yeah. Naru makes it back to the French camp where despite liking the dog, the Frenchmen are preparing to do in sorry. Uh, so Naru jumps into action. She fight, fight, fights. Again, we saw her fight uh as brutally as she could against her own tribesmen and she is not holding any punches back in this one either she gets her Mm -hmm. hands on her throwing axe which is just flying everywhere um she manages to kill all the french in the camp uh and sends the dog to uh go on and call to her brother or her home um and that that fight that fight sequence was fascinating because dan jachenberg mentioned to me that he wanted that sequence to be somewhat believable but also fun mm-hmm. yeah and so he's like i knew we couldn't have naru like doing a bunch of john wick style <laughs> kicks and stuff like we needed to find a way to make it somewhat grounded mm-hmm. um and it manages well you know like she she's dirty she fights dirty like she did mm-hmm. with earlier that was established and i don't know that whole sequence was interesting and i guess as a character too that it, technically those guys are actually her first kills ever. Yeah. And it's just interesting to me because it's like, she doesn't really acknowledge it. You know, it's like, she likes, not only did she not kill an animal as her first kill, but it was these random French dudes that she just absolutely <laughs> obliterated. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know on a, 
on a status level, when she goes back, she can explain to like, yeah, I killed this monster, but I also killed like four of these guys and she has a better kill count than probably half of her tribe. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah. And I do like, I think a lot of the choreography that goes into making this very believable is that Naru is not always on her feet and like in control of the situation. There's a lot of times mm -hmm. where she goes down and she very nearly gets stabbed or has to like wrestle yep. her way out. And it, it feels like there's a lot of effort exerted um, through yeah. the way that this fight plays out. Yep. At the scene of the uh, misty forested French slaughter, the predator is doing a little first aid on itself. Uh, and uh, kind of like as is tradition. Cannon. <laughs> yeah. Does it do a lot of first aid in the other films? Is... Yep. It's always <laughs> it's always uh, fixing itself up. Ah, get its little laser band-aid situation going on. Mm -hmm. um, and Naru is also checking on her leg that was in the uh, trap. It's got a pretty nasty wound on it. But uh, as she's kind of pausing to check on herself, uh, she hears a gun cock. And it's the guy who speaks quote unquote English. Uh, he is down a leg and wants her help and her medicine as he sees that she's capable of performing uh, different medicines and healing operations. Um, mm -hmm. He promises to show her how to use the gun if she helps him, and so she removes the predator's weapon from his leg and applies medicinal herbs as he explains how to use the gun. Not too much powder, not too little, pull it back, fire, yada yada. Um, she gives him some of the orange flowers from before uh, when he finishes explaining. And as he asks why he's so cold, the predator arrives in camp. Um, Naru is hiding behind a nearby tree. And we go into the predator's heat vision as it scans the camp and notably does not spot the still alive uh, Frenchman who has just eaten the flowers as he has lowered his body temperature from the medicine uh, and... Naru sees this from behind a tree and realizes this little workaround for the predator's vision and puts together that she could be using these orange flowers herself to uh, keep herself invisible to the predator. So that's why the bog scene is a misdirect because mm -hmm. in the first film and then uh, even in Robert Rodriguez's Predator's film, uh, the, the, the protagonists cover themselves in the mud to hide their heat signatures. So I guess if you've seen the films, you think that like, oh, of course we've seen this before. Mm -hmm. But then we get the orange tutsia, the orange flower, and then that becomes a moment where she's like, oh, like this can help. And I, I thought that was cool. Like as someone who's seen the fran, you know, watched all the franchises, and then the bog scene, I thought it was interesting because when I first watched it, I was like, oh, cool, she might come back here, yeah, and cover herself in the mud and get ready. But that was a huge misdirect, and I thought that was super genius. <laughs> yeah, and it's good because it's it's padded too by you know they've established that what this flower does is it does lower mm -hmm. your body temperature as sort of a side effect of the medicinal qualities. So it's not it, like it's a complete blindsiding that this works either. Like they seeded yep. it very early on with uh, yeah. the rescue of the earlier um, tribesmen who'd been injured by the lion. Like this is all mm -hmm. kind of coming together. Both your misdirect yep. and your direct are finally working in sync <laughs> in this moment. Exactly. Um, just as the predator is looking around, uh, Sari comes back and it looks like the dog is about to get got again. Again, I was so stressed for this dog the whole time. Uh, but luckily, Tabe is also returned with the horses and he manages to smack the predator's helmet right off and uh, stab mm -hmm. at him. Naru tries to shoot the predator with the gun, but it doesn't fire. And so she settles for distraction, uh, yelling to it as her brother spears him. Uh, and she goes back to with his own spear. 
Yeah. With the yeah. Predator's Spear, which is super cool. Again, we mentioned this weapon is very neat, but uh, mm-hmm. it's cool to see Tabe using his surroundings uh, and just what he could get his hands on to injure him. And it's a very smart move to use the Predator's weapon against it. Uh, yeah, that whole sequence with Tabe fighting, again, I just keep thinking about what Dan said about capturing the spirit of the Comanche. Because mm-hmm. he's on the horse, and of course, like the Comanche were known as the Lords of the Plains. Mm-hmm. And... It, the predator shoots the arrow at Tabe and Tabe just dodges it like nothing. <laughs> and for me, it's like, yeah, like that's that's what the Comanche did. Like they were they were very efficient with bows and arrows. And it makes sense that they would be a, very efficient at dodging them mm-hmm. and everything. So like his fight sequence, if you know anything about the history of the Comanche, just like was fairly believable. Like it made a lot of sense. And like he's writing and then he sees a bow and arrow, his own bow and arrow on the ground. And he's like, Oh, and, you know, just grabs it. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, you don't see this intense stop process behind it because it's so second nature to him, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. It's one of the first times we've gotten to see Tabe really like fight on screen as well, because a lot of his stuff kind of happens off screen and then he comes back with the mm-hmm. spoils of it. And it's never that you don't believe that he's a very capable fighter or capable hunter. Um, you know, he, shows that he's a good shot when he shoots the uh, bird early on. But um, it's still very satisfying to see that he mm-hmm. really does have the skills to back up uh, bringing in yep. the lion afterwards. Even as we know his sister is capable, but to see that her brother, it, it runs in the family, for lack of a better mm-hmm. phrase. You know, they're, they're all talented. Um, she's going back to refilling the gun uh, as the predator goes invisible and she and her brother ready themselves for a fight uh tabe tells her to run as it thinks that he's the threat uh and to be the one to bring it home uh passing the torch before hey, one thing ab- yeah. one thing about that scene too i liked is the predator saw that it was losing mm-hmm. and because tabe was shooting it and stabbing it with the same arrow three times Whew. And when he shot that final arrow, that's when it disappeared. Mm-hmm. And in the English and the Comanche version, he yells out at it. And he in Comanche, he calls it a cheater. <laughs> and so Tave, like, he's pissed. And he yeah. recognizes that this thing doesn't, this thing is not playing fair. It's, it's, it's a sore loser. And so, yeah, I thought that was a really fascinating sequence right there, too. Yeah, it, it gives a lot of personality both to the Predator and to uh, Tabe, who we've already been endeared to, but just to get mm-hmm. a sense of his dedication to it, the yep. hunt. Um, as Tabe is sort of passing the torch to Naru, despite her resistance to running, uh, to turning tail and heading home, uh, he is killed by the Predator from behind. Again, it's not playing fair. It was invisible. Um, and Naru is left facing down the Predator, uh, as her brother does one less last sacrifice uh, to injure the predator and to give her a chance to escape. Um, and he he quotes what was mentioned earlier about what he tells Monaru, like what, you know, about the, the mountain line, you know, like mm-hmm. this is as far as you go. Yeah. You know, this is this is the end. This is as far as you go. <laughs> and he says that about himself. Mm-hmm. And that little line I thought was really fascinating. Um, of course, you know, there's some callbacks to it later, but <laughs> uh, I just I thought that it was interesting that that's what he says to her. It was like an intimate moment that only they know because mm-hmm. they the only they had that conversation with each other. Yeah, there's still you know we don't see too too much of them interacting in this film outside of 
I've gone off to hunt and I followed you and I'm you shouldn't have followed me, but let's do this now that you're here. Uh, it's nice to see that phrase, that moment between them be called back to because it does really give us even more of a sense and just a reminder to the audience of how impactful that this specific character death is going to be to Naru and the relationship mm-hmm. that they have. Uh, Naru runs. She stops to clean herself in the river momentarily. Um, Meanwhile, we cut back to the village where their mother has gotten the news that neither has returned. Um, And we see her grief as she's uh, preparing a skin nearby and fear and worry for her children. Um, Naru wakes up later, her faithful dog standing watch as across the river from her is a Frenchman. Um, She readies her gun, but as she watches him, realizes that... uh, she also has a little bit of the predator tech that she had taken from the leg of the earlier Frenchman who uh, had eaten the flowers. And she instead runs up and smacks him on the back of the head with a rock, knocking him out. Coming to, this Frenchman has some mice nibbling at his leg stump. Yuck. Uh, <laughs> he tries to pull himself to the gun nearby where Naru uh, very coldly and uh, sol- solidly tells him that Uh, you know, he bled her brother and so now he bleeds and she makes a speech about uh, how people think that she's not a threat and that is what makes her dangerous uh, as she eats the orange flowers preparing for the real hunt to begin. And one thing that she does right there is, is she whistles and in a lot of North American indigenous cultures, whistling is taboo. Ooh. Uh, because it, for some tribes, it draws in evil spirits, or and for some, it brings in misfortune. Mm. So that that little tiny detail was really cool to me. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh shit, she whistled <sighs> at night, and then we see why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's baiting the predator on every level to come and get her. Yep. Um, the predator clicks kick in as she stands invisible to it, and it takes the bait of the Frenchman and kills him. Uh, Naru lines up her shot and fires the gun, uh, injuring the predator and removing his mask, which she steals and flees with. Um, she places the mask in a crevice between some rocks using... Uh, and then uses the severed foot of the man to make a trail of blood leading the predator to her waiting in the tree. Um, as it takes the bait and approaches following the trail, she jumps from the branch and swings with her axe. And again, I cannot overstate how cool this axe rope weapon combo is for all of these big wide shots of Naru leaping from the tree, swinging it. Mm-hmm. Um, they tussle for a bit she's thrown from him after doing some pretty significant damage uh saved from a kill by the predator a spear by her dog who is her ever faithful companion who will continue to provide uh, incredibly well-trained assistance during this fight her mother was not lying when she said that she had trained this dog well at the beginning of the film um Mm -hmm. They fight through the trees, Naru using any predator tech she can get uh, her hands on and even cutting off his arm at one point, uh, doing some pretty... I don't know if your uh, alien band-aid laser is going to help you too much with that one. Well, the thing is, is he cut it himself. Like, I guess for me, that speaks further into the the personality of this Mm -hmm. predator because it was like, it was so careless in how it was trying to kill her Mm -hmm. that 
it turned too quickly to try to get to her that it didn't realize his own arm was in the way. And he just <laughs> cut off his own arm. Yeah. And then it's just he just looks at it and looks at her and he's like, ah shit. Like, okay, fine. <laughs> uh but yeah, it was just fascinating. The whole fight sequence, he just mm-hmm. was arrogant. You know, he was he he kept, you know, completely underestimating her in pretty much every turn. Mm-hmm. And she uses that to her advantage. You know, she lets him get mm-hmm. frustrated and get sloppy. Um, mm-hmm. As they fight, she leads him to the mud patch she had been caught in before. Uh, and he um, gets her kind of stuck between some rocks. And at this point, uh, he uses his shield that as it kind of like unfurls to nearly behead her, but it gets caught on mm-hmm. the two boulders next to her. Um, but at the Last second before it can break through the rock, she manages to get a stab in and free herself. Um, deep- well, she she because the the creature has these mandibles. Yeah. They're like this, and she <laughs> rips one off of its own face and stabs it. <laughs> Again, calling back to like she fights dirty. She's yeah. gonna do whatever. And I love that. I was like, dang, she like ripped that thing off and stabbed <laughs> Little him with it. Little impromptu dental surgery for the predator. It's not mm-hmm. what he was counting yeah, on this time. <laughs> exactly. Um, the predator yells, Naru makes eye contact with Sari the dog who is holding her axe and jumps onto the predator. Uh, she kind of ties him up and drags him into the mud pit that she was once trapped by. Uh, the predator is not done for though, rising from the mud. And once again, we get that great other viscous liquid giving us the shape of the predator shot. Um, as Naru sits back to the massive gnarl of tree roots that she had earlier used to free herself. And he takes aim at her with his like bolt shooter, um, his mask and its tracking lights go on. Uh, but the lights are not on Naru. They are on the predator. And when it fires, it's tracking from the helmet leads its bolts to circle around in this wide arc and it shoots itself. Uh, yeah. And he has, he has this last head cock of like <laughs> oh fuck and it, and it gets some yeah and there's a there's actually a callback to the first movie too where she's standing there and she goes she goes do it do it do it come on mm-hmm. do it uh arnold schwarzenegger says the exact same thing in the first film come on do it kill me come on <laughs> once exact again same callback very happy that amber mid thunder did not choose to do an arnold schwarzenegger impression <laughs> but very happy to have seen that line come back it's it's <laughs> The whole time she is clearly in control of this fight. She has a plan and it's so immensely satisfying to see it go off uh, the way that Mm -hmm. it does. And what a way to take the predator out um, with its own, you know, technology, its own hubris almost that it it thinks that it's got her. And really she had it the whole time. Uh, It's a nice play on her earlier trap with the lion of using the bait to lure it somewhere so that you can fight it directly. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the one more layer of plan on top of that um, to deal with the predator here. Uh, Naru cheers. She is successful. The predator is defeated. Um, yep. Again, she... <laughs> going back to like this idea of the crying, the war cry. Mm-hmm. For her, it's like a victory cry. Yeah. <laughs> and that's something that a lot of tribes do, like in, in victory or in death or in celebration. And so, yeah, like for her, that was like this victorious uh, war cry, which I thought was really cool that they added that in there. Yeah, it's incredibly satisfying. It does feel like you've had your breath held for, you know, the last 30 minutes or so. And just to get Mm -hmm. that release uh, as Naru gets the release of her own is fantastic. Um, Yep. 
She returns to her village covered in uh, the green glowing predator blood with the predator's head and uh, the gun. And uh, as everyone gathers around her, she tells them that there is danger nearby and they all need to move to more easily protected ground as she uh, takes on the title of and is honored with uh, the war chief uh, staff the way her brother was when he returned with the lion. Uh, and mm-hmm. though it's a much more solemn uh, moment than it was when he came back with the lion, still, that is that same. She has proven to her, the tribe, to everyone else, everyone who doubted her, that she is capable of this hunt and has achieved this great feat. Um, yeah. And there's a callback to the pistol, actually. That pistol uh, is actually a huge Easter egg for the second Predator film. Uh, so yeah, that that's a that's that's a that's why it was such a big deal for some people when they saw that. They're like, "Oh, that's the pistol that's in the second Predator movie." <laughs> and uh, so yeah, there's a, there's probably a whole slew of films that could be made to explain how that pistol started from there and got to 1989 in New York City. <laughs> so yeah, um, but that is Prey uh, with mm-hmm. the Predator defeated. The movie has ended. Uh, what a what it, you know coming into this as someone who has never seen a predator film before i was surprised at how well th- this worked as like an entry point to the franchise i felt like this really stood mm-hmm. on its own without any prior knowledge uh it does yeah. yeah um it just kind of like pulls you in it gives you the information you need it's got you know maybe it's a character arc that we've seen for a protagonist before but it's well executed so you understand everything you need to um and it's got like we mentioned before some really great action pieces um i'm curious as kind of like closing thoughts on the film uh if you know where if you would recommend that our listeners watch this i think the answer is yes but if so like yeah, in what context <laughs> yeah i i recommend it and of course like too like of all the films in the entire franchise this one has the most like heart to it mm-hmm. uh it it's very character driven. All the Predator films all are plot driven. And this one is very plot and character driven. Like it's the first one where we get to to feel and see the inner machinations of our protagonists. And the other ones, it's just kind of like Schwarzenegger in the first film is literally just the final girl mm-hmm. in an eighties slasher film. Like that's that's really what what he is, right? There's no mm-hmm. character moments that are like deeper that kind of give to any growth he's already kind of i mean he's humbled and he learns but like he's not like nato who had some deeper idea of who he wants to be right um the second one he the protagonist is trying to solve a mystery uh predators the protagonist is trying to leave the planet it's just you know this one just has the most heart it's i i also think it's the most uh, I guess craft-wise, the most well-crafted f- Predator film of all of them. We get these vast, beautiful, sweeping landscape shots. Mm-hmm. The score uh, is done by Sarah Sachner, who like famously did Assassin's Creed Valhalla and I think another Assassin's Creed game. So it has like this epic feel. It feels more like a period epic, and so mm-hmm. it doesn't lean too much on horror as it does just thriller elements and action and stuff, but. It's a fun time. Like you'll, it's an hour and a half long. It was originally meant to be a short, actually, huh. um, but of course they wanted Fox wanted to expand it into its larger franchise and try to revitalize the franchise. And so, mm-hmm. uh, it it definitely is a good watch. Like you could sit down, watch it. You'll have a fun time. 
um, I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was surprised by how much fun I had with this. I think, I you know, it's it's hard to strike that balance between horror, thriller, action, and I think that this does a good job of leaning into, like you said, the the character driven storytelling. Um, Naru is such an engaging protagonist; you want to see her succeed. And while mm-hmm. that is uh, the hallmark of any good final girl or final Schwarzenegger, uh, <laughs> here it, it doesn't feel like she's reduced to the role that she's going to play in the story. And it does feel like you get to let her kind of sing. Um, you know, you're always rooting for Naro to do something clever, not just to succeed. And that is difficult to pull off in a movie with such a well-known creature uh, after her, for lack of a better word. It almost mm-hmm. feels like this movie could have not had the predator in it and just had any large threat uh or any challenging animal to fight and it would have been yeah equally engaging i actually i actually think in the one of the earlier drafts there was like no no um mention that this was even a predator Mm. and so audiences would have walked in and halfway through realized that wait this is a predator movie (laughs) and not a cryptid movie you Mm -hmm. know like uh, that would have been fascinating. I wanted I wanted to see what that would do, but I think they kind of wanted to go over with it to try to let right. everyone know that like, no, we're rebooting this franchise. But um, I have I also have a feeling that this w- was leaning more into a more um, uh, what's the guy the guy who did Primal and um, Samurai Jack? Oh, uh, Gendy um, Tartakovsky. Uh, listeners yes. will know that my pronunciation is bad, yeah. so I apologize. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gendy Tartakovsky's Primal. If you've seen mm-hmm. that, I have a feeling that this was originally also meant to lean more into the no dialogue, mm-hmm. really heavy-handed uh, action set pieces. Um, yeah. But that's that's if you weren't going to have a ton of character. Mm-hmm. But I think the character arc and the character moments with Nado really help solidify this to be just a little bit more well-rounded and a little bit more just enjoyable because <laughs> we get <laughs> we get this fun catharsis at the end, you know. The first film works for how it is because it's like this mysterious thing where all these dudes are just getting picked off and we have no idea what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this one works for this character and this, this setting and everything. And um, I think they did a really good job with it. And, of course, all the indigenous elements were just spot on you know in my opinion the spirit of how this film was made with the consultation and you know the the attention to detail um and like i said language of wardrobe set design uh height for choreography all of that was just like it was just it was tickled me a lot and i really enjoyed it (laughs) of course (laughs) i'm biased because i'm a fan of the franchise anyways but Mm. um yeah i thoroughly enjoyed this one it's great to see a huge franchise, you know, being uh, thoughtful with its representation and not just on screen, but like in the greater scheme of, uh, you know, background of production, the costumes, like you were saying, the thought that goes into yeah. sending all of your actors to uh, fight camp to learn these hand signals and this choreography <laughs> yeah. and everything. Like that's a level of care and attention that not every movie puts into it. And it's very admirable to see it here. And it only pays off because, again, the film feels smooth to watch and when you see all of that on screen it looks fantastic and it immediately pulls yeah. you in to the uh style and the story and pulls it off um and again i think i think something like this could help revitalize the franchise because mm-hmm. 
since this came out, so many fans have wanted to see different periods and different cultures, mm-hmm. kind of like how Assassin's Creed does with its different periods and cultures, but then see how these different cultures react to such a creature. Like, you know, people really want to see a, a samurai mm. version of this, you know, some samurai facing off with a predator or some <laughs> Vikings, Spartans, you know, like mm-hmm. really fun stuff like that. Like, I think this helped kind of push the imagination of where this franchise can go. And I don't know. That's one of the things I like about this franchise is mm-hmm. seeing, I guess I like seeing the, the, the dedication and pure veracity of humanity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just cool. It's what it's. And, and if, of course, if the lore behind it all, like we're actually in the predator world, one of the most, their most formidable foes next to the <laughs> aliens, the yeah. xenomorphs. But I like that. I like seeing yeah human veracity and in mm-hmm. the human spirit i guess if there's one thing sci-fi does good it's make you want to root for humanity a little bit and this is a great example yeah. of how to pull that off <laughs> exactly um but elias thank you so much for joining me this has been a blast i'm thrilled to have had this be my entry into the predator franchise and i'm sure my listeners are as uh excited to jump in as well if they want to hear more from you where can they find you yeah you can uh find me uh native media theory on instagram uh, I also have a TikTok, but I'm not as active on there as I should be. <laughs> uh, but I am more active on YouTube. YouTube is where I have all of my reviews, reaction videos, and video essays about stuff. You can watch my entire coverage around this film on that channel where I got to interview Dan Trachenberg and Jane Myers and Amber Midthunder and Dakota Beavers. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, my whole shtick is just analyzing indigenous and native American representation through a more filmic and theoretical lens. Uh, So yeah, that's me. That's where you can find me predominantly is on YouTube. That's fantastic. I highly recommend checking out uh, his videos because they are fantastic. Uh, I've been perusing myself. All of that will be linked down in the show notes below. So definitely uh, check out native media theory. Thank you, Elias, for joining me. Um, I've heard some distant clicking off in the background, so I think I'm going to go take a little once-over around my apartment (laughs) before I go to bed tonight. Uh, We'll be back with another episode in two weeks, and uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Struck. We'll be back on December 18th with another thrilling installment, but if you miss us before then or have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email them to moviestruckpod at gmail.com or check out the Moviestruck Discord server to chat with other fans of the podcast about movies, your day, and all neat things that are out there. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform, and if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron for even more exclusive content like monthly patron-selected movie reviews written by yours truly. Thank you to my guest Elias, and be sure to check out the links in the show notes to all of his fantastic reviews, and uh, I will catch you guys on the next episode. I'd also like to give a special thank you to the patrons who joined us last month. It's because of you guys and everyone over on Patreon that I'm able to keep the lights on and keep Ziggy, my frequent, most frequent guest forgive me cat for getting that wrong uh in the good cat food so a special thank you to avery ozomi morgana jaman and ken m